He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 73rd Hole Podcast, the award-winning 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell is hitting the slopes today, so he will be out. And Taylor Williams is here with me to talk about the Honda Classic. OU and OSU are both in the lead at their respective tournaments this week. And we have some junior golf to talk about and much more on today's show. T-Dub, how are you doing today, boss? Doing great, Samuel. How are you doing? Have a have a fun weekend. One thing I'll get into before we uh, saw it, I saw on the social media, guys went to Top Golf on Saturday, so how was that? Like I said, I have the golf bug again. I will go to Top Golf, hit a few golf balls, and Reagan, my wife, who played college softball, she's left-handed, does everything left-handed. She was struggling left-handed at Top Golf, and she picked up a right-handed club and just started striping it. Her first, her first ever tee shot, right-handed at Top Golf this weekend, went about two hundred yards. Wow, I, I was shocked. And she does nothing else right-handed and, at all. And I was hyped because now we don't have to buy left-handed clubs our whole life. <laughs> <laughs> the left-handed cl- clubs are a conundrum, right? Because it's like your your options are so limited. Mm-hmm. But yet, if you go at certain times of the year. You're going to have all kinds of options because people are wanting to get rid of the stock, you know? But, That's true. And, you know, here's my question for you, and I was talking about it a little bit on the show, just kind of joking around, but legitimately, is she, is she, so we're going to go fully right-handed now? Is that the, is that the route we're going to choose, or so what do you think? what I did was I sent a text to Stan Ball, who taught me how to play golf when I was younger. He's really good with beginners and, it, I mean, all the way up through high-level players, but really, really elite at teaching beginners, and... I said, Stan, I got a conundrum. I don't know what to do. I don't know whether she's left-handed or right-handed. She hits it farther left-handed when she catches it, but she's more consistent right-handed. And I, and he goes, I know what to do. We'll go get her on both sides, get her numbers and all this stuff, and, and kind of teach her some basics. And so Stan's going to help me out, and we'll keep you updated. And I want I want all of our listeners to let us know on social media if you know because we were talking about this, and we didn't know if it had happened before. Are there any people who are legit switch hitting golfers? Like we were talking about Noda Begay when he used to have the bullseye putter. Right. He could he would putt right handed or left handed depending on the break. And it's like, you know, it sounds like to me with Reagan, like when Phil had the two drivers, he would hit one for accuracy, <laughs> one for power. Reagan should just have like half right handed clubs for for was it uh, right handers more accurate? Yes. And left handed just had more power. Correct. So if she want to hit some bombs. Just, but it's, uh, just have left, but it's way off hey, the planet. No, no, no. It might, it might not be off the planet. It might still be on the tee when she swings <laughs> left-handed. So it's a risk-reward. It's a risk-reward. So, I mean, it could go 230, but it could also go nowhere, literally. We, we need our listeners to let us know what Reagan should do, but it sounds like to me Stan Ball <laughs> has it covered. Stan's going to help me out with it. Uh, yeah, my high school teammate, Alec Heinen, did the no to be gay where he was right-handed and then putted left-handed. Now, interestingly enough, Alec's brother – Nick, who caddies for Matthew Wolf, Nick is totally left-handed and plays right-handed. 
So I might need really? to get Nick to help Reagan out a little bit. I did not know that about Nick. And Phil. Phil's right-handed, but he plays golf left-handed. Now, that's the weirdest one of, like, all time, right? It is the Because, like, you one. understand, like, people left-handed. And the main reason is because, like you mentioned, right-handed clubs are a lot more accessible for the most part. So you think that more people lefties get in right-handed. But it Phil's, does. like, the only person I know of who's actually right. Does everything apparently right-handed and golf's left-handed. It's so weird. Well, it's because he mirrored his dad growing up. He would stand yes. in front of him and hit the same direction, correct? Yes. And so, it, it, you know – Another great thing about people that are left-handed that play right-handed is I think it's easier to pull the club down the line than it is, you know, pushing it, right? Yeah, well, if you think about it, just one-handed shots, right? If you're using your right hand and you're swinging right-handed, it's harder than using one hand and swinging left-handed, at least to me. Well, yeah, it's a different different conundrum because, you know, generally if you're right-handed, the right side of your body is stronger and more flexible, both of those. So, you know, like, for example, a lot of times I have to – work on strengthening and stretching my left side a lot more because it gets tight. But then on that aspect, like, for example, if you're just getting into golf, like like we played golf since we were two years old or whatever, so it's a little, our bodies are kind of made used to that. But if you're just a regular right-handed person, you go out there, it's like it's kind of like you said, it's easier to get your if – you if you're right-handed and you're swinging left-handed, it's easier to turn back because you have more muscles there. And then also you can kind of just force it down more right. and kind of clear as opposed to – hitting it like you do with the right hand. It kind of almost like the opposite of a hockey shot where you slap it. I totally agree. Uh, so, T-Dub, speaking of Phil, I think we got a couple things to get to on Phil. We're not going to get into the whole discussion about Phil Mickelson's comments. And the only thing that I want to get to today is I think after seeing all of his sponsors, and I mean all of his big sponsors, Workday, KPMG, Callaway even paused their sponsorship with Phil – to me, I think it's gone a little extreme. It, it, are we to the point where we can't come on a podcast and rip Phil for saying something without him losing all of his sponsorship money? I think that's too far. So now, not I'm not on Phil's side about what he said. I just don't think the punishment fits the crime. No, and, and when you think about sponsorships, right, it's like whenever you make a partnership like that, the theory is is that, hey, we'll have Phil as an ambassador, and it's going to make us more money than it is going to cost him to pay. It should make a lot more. Right. And now it's – like, I, I just want to know, like, legitimately, are people not playing Callaway ball, golf balls clubs anymore? Are people not doing KPNG, whatever it is? Are people going to stop using Workday because of what Phil's doing? I don't think so. Did people stop wearing Nike because of Colin Kaepernick? No. Did people stop wearing Nike because of Tiger Woods? Exactly. No. I mean – and, and there's a lot of other things that Nike's done, too. Not necessarily that. We talk about slave labor and all that stuff. So, it's, you know, people have a knack for picking and choosing what they want to be yep. want to be mad about. And, you know, and we need to say this. It's not sugarcoating what Phil did by any stretch of the imagination. Right, but, but it, Phil didn't do anything. He said something. Yes. He, he like, and, it, it, and it's no different than what it has been, either. Right? He just, like, verbally voiced look, what all was, what every player knows and is thinking. Look, I get that a company doesn't want to have that image and especially about what Phil said right but it seems too extreme in this case to me because we know Phil and we know that he spouts off about things sometimes does that make him a bad guy to me no right did he say something really dumb yes should he lose his sponsorships no should he be ridiculed for it yes I think that both things can be true and we're living in a world, a cancel culture world, where you say one wrong thing, and it makes me really nervous with what we do. You say one wrong thing, 
you can get canceled and you can lose all your sponsorship money. And it's like we we talked about this earlier with with Colby and the aspect of you know Phil can rebuild his reputation pretty quickly, almost as quick as it's falling apart in my opinion. The problem is is you know like you said the has it already come too far at him? Has he already experienced too much off of something that I want to point out? Wasn't or is he in too deep with the Saudis where he can't say, no, I'm not doing this anymore? And, and you know, I think that that is the ultimate layer to it because we don't know how much of that tour is actually finalized and how close it is. We've heard rumors on when they're expected to have things done. But I think, like, right now, and like we talked about the um, the all uh, – what's the title of it? The International Series in Thailand, you know, the tournament Correct. that the – um, what's it, SGL, whatever it's called? No, uh, that's – well, okay, so the Asian Tour has this 10-tournament se- ten series, and it starts in Thailand, right? And that is not part of the Super League, but the same people are trying to get guys over there to that 10-tournament series it's, before the Super League starts. It's the live or whatever. It's the same right. same people that are funding it. It's just the – it's like the, uh, the rough draft, kind of. Yes, exactly. And so I think that – because, you know, we had talked about if players were going to go over there and, and play and see what kind of statement they made. I think that with Phil's comments that were said, like, everyone's too scared. Everyone's too scared now. They're not going to lose their sponsorships. But we did hear some breaking news this morning that's pretty interesting. It did. What Bryson commits to play in Bay Hill and then pulls back out of Bay Hill, citing an injury. But, I mean, there's been a lot of smoke, and where there's smoke, there's fire about him going over to the SGL. What I want to see is when Bryson and guys, I I still think DJ, there's a good chance he goes over there. Or maybe even some guys that spoke out pretty hard against them, they might still sign with the Saudis when this SGL. I don't think that it's just going to go away. They've put too much money into it and too much time into it. For them to just say, no, this is too bad, too bad a PR. They knew it was going to be terrible PR. I don't think they knew that they were going to lose sponsorships over just saying that they were going to go over there, right? And Phil went a little farther than that, right? Yes. But he basically said exactly what he was going to do. I mean, he wasn't lying, right? Yeah. And so when Bryson goes over there and when some other guys go over there, are they going to lose all their sponsorships too? Are they? I think what's going to happen is, is that there's going to be – and, and the question is, how many of the good players is it going to be? And I think, it, I think looking back on it, maybe less than what we initially anticipated. But if you have a group of guys that go do it, as opposed to just because, like right now, it's just Phil, right? Everyone can look at Phil and say, "Hey, you." Well, it wasn't up. just Phil. Phil's just the one that spoke. Phil's out. the one that came. Out. And the th- the point I want to make about it is that the comments weren't said last week. They were said three months ago or two months ago or whatever, and then just got released. You know, so that makes it even scarier about the whole cancel even, culture. Hey, thing. by the way, even Shipnuck, who did. Release it, said it wasn't off the record. It's debatable whether it was on the record or off the record. Regardless, he even came out and said it's a little extreme that Phil's losing all his sponsorships. And, and you know, it, like I said, I think we can all agree on that. And I think just going forward with, with Dill, like you were mentioning, Sam, I just think that once players can kind of grow, go in group, a group aspect, as opposed to just going one at a time. And also, you know, this, this is the point that, that Colby brought up, and I, I was going to say something about it, and it just completely slipped my mind at the time, where he's talking like, you know, the guys who may have been committed to the Saudi League now, they could have just been verbally committed, right? Like, they may not have signed anything, just like a, a football player, you know, getting recruited or whatever. But isn't the same thing the case for all the players who came out and backed the PGA Tour last week? 
like like the, like they could just verb like the verbally commit. They don't have anywhere else to play right now. So why wouldn't they just right. say and the if you notice great. what they said in a lot of those quotes, especially Bryson's, he Bryson's goes as long, the, as long as they're the best players on or the best players in the world are playing on the PGA Tour, I'll play on the PGA Tour. Yeah, and, and, but uh, and, you know, I mean some, that's very vague, right? I mean he could he could sign over in Saudi and say, well, I'm one of the best players in the world. I'm playing over in Saudi. There was a lot difference between what Rory came out and said and right. what Bryson Rory's came not out. going. No, Rory, yeah, he's, we think he's we know come that. out too strong. And look at someone like everyone's talking about, you know, Rom being committed or whatever, came out that Rom's going to have his second kid coming up. His wife's pregnant again. So it's like you have your second kid coming along and you're already making all these millions of dollars. I mean, why are you going to come out and try to risk that for your yeah, family? You, you know? wouldn't do that. But for a young guy like Bryson or, you know, a Hovland or someone like that, I think that. Don't be surprised. Just don't be surprised, even though after all this stuff blows over, Phil will get his a couple sponsorships back. It'll blow over here in about a year, and we'll start hearing some more rumblings about it, I think. Well, and, you know, I think the thing, too, is that, and there seemed to be a little bit of, of people asking me about this, and I, I didn't I didn't think that was the case, where a lot of people are saying that the, SG, the Saudi League is going to take away from the PJ Tour because – the premise is, is that the players will play their 14 events or whatever, and then they actually won an offseason, which is something the PJ Tour doesn't give them. So then they wouldn't play the tour events. It's not necessarily that the Saudi contracts would say that, hey, you can only play here for these 14 events. You know, right. it's just the premise of. Well, I think we all agree that it's ridiculous that they don't have an offseason. Oh, absolutely, and a lot of it came down to... The fall to, season is ridiculous to me. They, It's it's another way for... And the players still make money on this aspect, too. You know, it's not I, like they play it up for, for free or anything. Well, but, I mean, the, the, the players down the list love the fall tournaments, right? Well, especially the... The guys who aren't the top ten in the world because yeah. then they can – a lot of times they use that success to propel them to the Tour Championship the next year. Right. And that's one of the incentives for the Tour to do it is to keep that season full year-round. But if you're not a top ten player in the world, if, if you don't play the fall, it's going to be almost impossible. You're going to have to win and then finish top five a couple of times to be able to get as high as you want. So it's it's one of those things where it's like they don't make you play year-round, but if you don't, you're going to get lapped, and you're going to get lapped really fast. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous to me that they do play year-round. Uh, so, speaking of the PGA Tour, we had the Honda Classic yesterday. And, Tita, before we get to the golf, I want to get to the fact that we had two of the greatest dad bods on the PGA Tour battling it out down the stretch yesterday in Sepp Straka and Shane Lowry. We might need to draft some dad bods from the PGA Tour today later in the show. Oh, that is a good idea. Guess Maybe during the break we'll put together a couple lists. I will say this. You know, everyone making fun of our man Harry Higgs out there. and you know, He's when he took his weight. I, I, I think Lowry makes Harry Higgs look like a damn bodybuilder, dude. <laughs> I mean, my man Lowry, dude, he, he, he wants – He's hefty. He's a hefty boy, but he's got a Claret Jug major championship to his name. You know, Sam, I'm, I'm watching the golf yesterday. I watched the majority of it, and mm -hmm. the whole time you're just thinking – Man, you're just waiting for the bear trap to come up, and you're like, okay, everyone just seemed to be making pars. Nothing besides Berger, who's just going to fall apart, and I want to get to him in just a second. But it just seemed like everyone was playing pretty steady. Then you have old Seb Straka comes out, and he birdies 14, birdies 16, makes a putt from off the green. Really, really clutch putt to make that. And then was able to catch a little bit of a break on 18, was able to hit his drive before the rain started pouring down. So then he only had, I believe, 200 yards in, was able to make a pretty easy birdie there. So, I mean, I don't know, Sam, what, what was your take on it? You know, watching my man Lowry play, he was my one-and-done pick. Looking back on it, Sam, Lowry did not make a bogey all week on a par four. 
Wow. That's damn impressive to do Especially that. at that course. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. So, you know, looking on, he didn't play the par fives particularly well. Didn't birdie either one of them yesterday. And then parred his last seven holes, had some birdie opportunities in there. I remember, I think it was on number eight yesterday, he missed about a, a two-footer, or not a two-footer, about a four-footer for birdie. So, I mean, Sam, what were your just overall thoughts on the tournament? And, you know, shout-out Substruck. I mean, playing some good golf. They didn't show much of him on the telecast. Just one of those know, times where, weird. Where, where the winner just kind of, not necessarily comes out of nowhere because he was always floating he was right there. there. They showed him. It, it was just like you always either thought Berger was going to get it back together or Shane Lowry was going to kind of take control. Yeah. It never really happened. Neither and one of them did. Steph Strzok just ends up winning. To me, my takeaways were I, I was really surprised at Daniel Berger on Sunday because I thought the tournament was over. It was one of those scenarios that we always talk about that just it felt like it was over after Saturday that he just had to go out there and walking Neiman it to a victory, right? Yeah. And so I was super surprised. I mean, look at the putting stats from Berger this week. I mean, he ends up actually gaining a half shot putting, but in the first round, in the first round, he gained two shots putting. In the second round, he gained three and a half shots putting. In the third round, he gained over a half shot putting. And in the fourth round, he lost 3.81 shots putting. That's where he lost the tournament. And his only two, he didn't even make a birdie putt on Sunday. His only two birdies came from off the green. It ch- chipped, hold out of the bunker on the par three, seven for, for birdie, and then chipped in on 14 for birdie. Mm-hmm. And it's, like you said, he didn't make any putts and... You know, I think that for Berger, looking back on it, you know. And then I think, real quick, I think he pressed as well. I yes. think he got down early and pressed, and, and then you started seeing him get a little quick. I think he gets a little bit more laid off and quick when he's under pressure, and he felt the pressure really early in that round, and, and I think that that's kind of where well, I saw it. You made you know? a good observation, Sam, when, when you let me know, and you said, like, I think Berger gets more laid off when he's under pressure, and I'm watching it, and it's like, yeah, I think you're right. I think he does. And a lot of it, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can get laid off in the golf swing. But really, Explain what that means to people yeah, that might so, not know. So laid off is whenever you have the club at the top of your backswing, everyone talks about you want the club being parallel to the target line or pointing right at the target, depending on how you phrase it. And laid off means if you're a right-handed golfer, we have we have this debate right-handed, left-handed player before, yep. but if you're a right-handed player, the club will be pointing to the left of, of that parallel line. So mm-hmm. essentially – a lot of people want to talk about Tiger's swing from 2000 to 2005, Hank Haney. If you look at Tiger's swing in 2005, he's more laid off than he was. More with, was laid more off. More laid off. Not, not, not near not this. Not Daniel tra- Berger. No, no. But, <laughs> but for anyone who wants to know what that means, that's a right. good reference point. Looking like the club's more shallow. It's more horizontal than vertical on and, the, when you you're know, looking from behind. Yes, yeah, you're exactly right. And then looking back on, I think where Berger lost it, Sam, really. He, he didn't lose this here, but this is really where the tournament – Took a bad turn for it. Doubled the easy par three, uh, or not par three, par five third hole. It was the second easiest hole compared to 18. And, you know, he hit it left, had to lay up. He was only 160 yards out in the middle of the fairway. And he hit one of the worst pool hook iron shots. It looked like a little chunky, too. And, I mean, he's hit it so far left of the pin. And he, he hit it left of the middle of the bunker, so he was basically plugged on the downslope. And then made a really bad double from there. I mean, could have easily made bogey, but then made double. And so... After that, then he three-putted and three-putted five and then made another horrible bogey on six. And, you know, Sam, just looking at that golf course with all the water it has on it, and Berger didn't hit it that much in the water, but he definitely put himself in some tough positions. It's If there was going to be a course where you were going to lose a five-shot lead, this was going to be it. Right. I agree because there's big numbers lurking everywhere. Pre-round, Sepp Straka was plus 2,000 to win the golf tournament. Oh, my God. 
Daniel Berger was minus 400. Lowry was plus uh, plus 1,000. Uh, after Daniel Berger's double at three, Daniel Berger was still minus 110, and Sepp Straka was still plus 900. That's how, that's how you know, improbable that this win was because normally you're not going to have a Sepp Straka kind of career it, right? Down the stretch, I mean, he made back nine bogey-free with three birdies and a birdie on 18. It, it just proves how good these PGA Tour guys are, and every single week some guy's going to career it. I mean, only only uh, 15 guys shot under par this week, T-Dub, and Sepp Strzok is at 10 under par. I mean, that's pretty amazing to me that a guy like that, that middle-of-the-road guy, dad bod type guy, can go out there and shoot 10 under on a course like this that was playing so hard. I do think he caught one little break that it didn't rain on him quite as much as the other guys. Yes, no, I, I think you're exactly right. I think him being able to hit that second shot, or not being not having hit the drive with the rain proved prevalent because Berger didn't, wasn't able to hit that long of a drive. Had, a, like, what, 270 in for a second shot, then hit in the water. Then, obviously, Lowry, I don't know what the hell he was doing when the rain came. It looked like... It was so weird, Sam, because it was like he already plays fast, but then yeah. the rain came and he just like walked up and just hit the ball. It's almost <laughs> like he didn't want the rain to get on the ball and the club face that fast. But it's like he, oh, he I mean, I will say you. once he hit the hit the drive left, that I mean, he was pretty much just it was a he had to lay up. Yeah. Well, then even the even the second shot he hit in there, where it's like. You know, obviously, you don't want to go right at that flag because you push it. You a mean the yard. third shot? The third shot, yes, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you don't want to push it and then end up in the water or spinning it off. But look like he just aimed about 15 feet right of the flag, tried to play a cut, and he just pull-hooked it, yeah. essentially. So, it's like two pull-hooks in the last uh, – essentially, his last two real full swings because the layup, you know, you don't really miss hit that that often. So, right. I know, I thought that was interesting to see how fast that he played going into it. But, you know, I mentioned this when, when Zalatoris uh, was in the playoff a couple weeks ago, Sam, where it was like – he he only he made nine pars on the back nine, and I was thinking, you know, I I'm not the biggest fan of when people just kind of coast to a win, unless unless it's just like a super stack field and you got people chasing after you. But watching Lowry, you know, he birdied on eleven, then he didn't make any birdies coming in. Then you watch someone like Straka birdies fourteen, sixteen, and eighteen. It's like all you can do is take your hat off and give it to him at that point because Lowry didn't really lose the tournament because you could have made a bogey or double very easily on fifteen, sixteen, or seventeen. And only yep. lost by one. He really didn't putt that good either. So, and I'm, but on Straka's birdies, I don't think that that's where he won the golf tournament. I think he won the golf tournament on the holes that bogeys were lurking and doubles were lurking, and he just navigated it beautifully. I mean, he started the round with a bogey on number one. Yeah, one and of the then, easiest holes out there. And and I think he made another one on like eight or something. Yeah, bogey number eight. Right, yeah. and then so from number. Nine on, he played bogey free with three birdies and four birdies because birdies birdies he birdied nine, right? And so, my point is that I wanted to get to on Straka on on uh, in the fourth round, he gained one point four five around the green, one point three nine approach, one point seven eight off the tee, and he actually lost almost a half shot putting. That's how well he was striking the ball yesterday, and we knew that the best ball striker was going to win the golf tournament. We just didn't know it was Sepp Straka before the week. No, we didn't know that. And like you said, it's whenever you're playing on an, a quote-unquote easier course, it's it's a little bit more common to see those – Not Sepp Straka's not a known name, but he's close to it, right? Like, kind of, like, like you said, the odds. No one expected him to win the tournament. Right. So you look at it and you say – well, he's going to have to – at some point, he's going to hit a bad shot, and it's going to cost him. And it just never happened. So, right. it's it's a lot more rare, in my opinion, to see it on a quote-unquote tough golf course to see a 
a lesser player be able to not just go out there and get handed the tournament, go out there and actually win it, playing five under last. Well, it makes three, some or three of those, under last five. Some holes. of those guys a little more comfortable. I mean, when they know they have to go out and shoot twenty five, thirty under, right? You, it's some guys just can't do that. It's not their cup of tea. Well, you mentioned Berger talking about him pressing earlier, especially after that double, and it's like that's what happens all the time when people feel like they need to make birdies and it's not happening. You right. start aiming at flags you shouldn't, and then your scores just magically go higher instead of down. You know, here, here's a, here's something I was watching the golf saying. I want your opinion on this. I I keep hearing about how the Bear Trap, it's it's a hard golf course, and, it, and but people are talking about it's a good golf course, and I don't really think that it is. And the reason I say that is, like, you look at, look at all the different courses that are quote-unquote good courses, right? And it's like, you know, if you take one element off that course, like the example I made was Carson Creek, right? Like if you take the native area off Carson Creek and just make it trees or rough, it's still a good golf course, right? It's still going to be a great golf course. And be a lot more fun to play. It would, yes, it would. It wouldn't lose near as many balls. <laughs> and I'm watching, uh, watching down here PJ National, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, if they took the water off this course. Yeah, but that's it, what makes it. I know, but it's my, – my point being is that if you just have the water make the course – then it's not that good. That's my point. Because if you take the water off of it, it's it's like wildlife. I mean, it's so flat. The greens aren't that undulating. It's not that long. Right, but that, I mean, yeah, I see what you're saying. But to me, it, it I love tournaments like this. And I not only did I love playing in tournaments that had a little bit of, you know, little bit of weather. I mean, they had the rain, but they have, it's just tough golf. And I, I it's always my cup of tea when the, the score is closer to par than closer to 20 under. Yeah, right? I, yes, I agree with that. I, think I, it, I like watching it better. I like playing it better. It, it it just seems more pure style golf to me. And to me, there's a lot of courses on the PGA Tour that are easy. That yes. I mean, I, I played Kapalua on my honeymoon. They broke the records there. And I played it, and I go, guys, I mean, it's not that hard, right? <laughs> I mean, Honda Classic, Bear Trap, I mean, that's hard. That's yeah. tough golf. And and so I and you know last week or whenever was it last week two weeks ago at uh, the waste management, I mean that was easy golf. That's one of the easiest courses on the PGA Tour. But do you enjoy watching easy golf or or kind of a grind like no, it is? I, no, I agree with you on the grind. I think it's just a matter of how do you implement the grind, right? Because it's like. Like, I, I just look at it and I say, you know, like, like like the example I just made. You know, if you take the – like, think of all the great golf courses around, right? And it's like – like, they either have really good water placement. They have really good bunkers. The greens are really ex- exceptional. They have, you know, good hole layouts, whatever it may be. And, you know, you add up all these different elements to make a good golf course, and I just don't feel like PGA National has a lot of those. I just feel like that – and, and like I think it's, it's kind of whatever floats your boat, though, because I would say Augusta National is the greatest course on the planet, and, right? And, 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 and it doesn't have rough. But when we talked to Country Club Collection, he said that his favorite course was Wingfoot, and it has rough everywhere, but yeah. it doesn't have native grass. And, and I think the point to that is, is right, okay, so, like, if you take if you take the bunkers out of Augusta National, you still have the greens, you still have the, the fairways, you still have everything great about the course. And, and that's the point that I'm, I'm trying to make is that, I think that to be a really good golf course, you need more than one thing to be your defense. And when you just add a ton of water on the course to make that your defense, 
it makes it extremely entertaining to watch because, like I said, I had Lowry in the one and done. I was watching the whole time. I had no idea who the hell was going to win because anything could happen. You could have any turns at all. I just – I think that there's a lot better ways to make a golf course good. Like, for example, Riviera last week, you know. I mean, obviously, it's not known for its water, but there's no water anywhere on the course. Right. And it's still great. But, you know, you take out the – and the common denominator law, this is the green complexes, right? The, if the green complexes are good, it makes a course that much more stronger of a backbone. And I just don't think PJ National has that. So – I mean, granted, I still think it's a great golf, great golf course to watch, and really entertaining from our aspect. I just think that it gets a little bit too much pub when it comes to being an actually one of the best courses on tour. To me, I love it because it reminds me a lot of the course I grew up on, Oak Tree, because it has water a lot of places, right? And it's target golf, and you you can't miss in certain places, and it's and it's windy. It can get windy. It can get weathery out there. And so, to me, I, I think it's one of the most entertaining tournaments to watch on tour. I don't think it's – I'm not going A-zinger on you, but I'm saying just to me it's it's different because it's not just a birdie fest. It's never just a birdie fest because – not necessarily because the course itself, all 18 holes are hard, but there's certain places where big numbers are lurking. There's a lot of places on tour where big numbers aren't lurking at all. Yeah, like you, you would have to work so hard to make a double. It's not even funny. My point is that PGA National, if you have most uh, most holes, if you have a bad hole, you're probably going to make bogey. There's a lot of courses on tour that if you have a bad hole, you can make par easy. Yeah, because you can get away with hitting a bad shot. Right, and and, and you know I think that's that's just another element to it. Of you know it's like like when you add up Oak Tree National, right? It's like there's so many things about that course that make it great. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's got so many tough tee shots. It's got the greens are probably the best thing about it, in my opinion, and especially the areas around the greens. So there's just got so many areas that that I think make it a good course, and I just think PJ National is just lacking on a few of those. So right. I, 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 it's one of the, one of the most entertaining tournaments to watch because unless someone has, even with Berger had a five shot lead going into 15, you're still going to wonder if he's going to win or not. So I think yep. it definitely makes it entertaining, but. You know, is it is it a good golf course, though, just because it has a lot of water? I think that's the point I'm trying to make, and I just don't think it does. Right. Well, hey, before we get off of uh, off of the Honda, last time Burger won, Colby came on and said, that burger was cooked well done. Well, now that, bur- <laughs> now that burger's just cooked, Colby. It's burnt, dude. It's, it is, I mean, you left it on the grill too long. It's You lift it up, and there's just smoke going all over the place. And it happened really fast, too. That was the thing. It's You expect something like burger, if he does have that lead to collapse, happen on the bear trap. Yeah. And it happened on the easy, one of the easiest holes on the course. Truly unbelievable. From one of the, probably over the last 12 months, probably been a top five player in the world. In right. Here's another thing about the bear trap that I like is if you do have a bad front nine, there's not too many birdies just handed out to you on the back nine. No, and you have to – I mean, you have to golf your ball out yeah. there. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And so, I, I definitely agree with you that it's – you know, if It's I, just different. You know what I mean? From what we see on the PGA Tour week to week. Yes, and, and one thing we got, too, is we got a little bit of the wind pickup. So, we saw a lot of people taking time on – and that's one thing I want to get to, Sam. I want to ask your – opinion on this do you see the video which one the one of uh oh who's the guy that, that was playing with brooks kepka oh um oh god what was his i'm gonna name? have to pull it up and find oh i know who you're name. talking about yeah he fidgeted for however long over the whole so, minute and 30 i mean so okay so even now from the the fidgeting side i saw so many people like standing on par three tee boxes waiting for like the wind to stop blowing or the gust to blow down 
why why are we allowing players to wait three three to five minutes to hit their damn ball? It makes no sense to me. I don't understand. Like, okay, you're just going to wait ten minutes for the for the wind to die down. That's not how it works. It's your time to hit hit the damn ball. That's why I want to implement some type of shot clock because it's not right that it happens. And even even come down the stretch, Sam on eighteen with uh, uh, Kitayama, he was waiting on the rain to die down. And there's only two groups left on the course. I don't care. Hit the shot. It's your time to hit. So I mean, I completely I'm. I don't understand why we need, why we're allowing players to do that. I truly don't. It's it's holding up the game. I don't care if there's two groups on the course. I don't care if there's one group on the course. I don't care if you're the last player on the course. You need to get up there and you need to hit your shot when it's your time. You need to have about 40 seconds to hit your ball, especially if you're uh, not the first one to hit. So, were you able to find it? Was it Brian so? Stewart. Brian Stewart. Okay, so and he sat over the ball for a minute and 30 seconds. And my favorite part about the video is. Five seconds after he hits, Brooks's hard Brooks's balls in there. Gosh dang! I mean, that's. <laughs> I tweeted out. I said I would have withdrawn if uh, if it had to do with that. I mean, if if I had to deal with that. I mean, if because that's the thing too. It's like unless you're once you get towards the end of the round, you can get more used to it. But you expect someone to get over the ball, and you're kind of that's about your time to get ready, and you want to make sure you don't make any noise and do all that stuff. But at the end of the day, when someone takes that long, it can. It, you shouldn't let your playing partner bring you down that much. But when you have to deal with stuff like that, it truly is. I mean, it can be worrisome because then you're worried about, okay, we'll do – what if I move when he's halfway through his pre-shot routine then he stops and I have to wait on this again? You know, I mean, it just creates all kinds of chaos. So, what were your thoughts on it, Sam? Yeah, and I totally agree with you on that. And last thing on the Honda Classic, teed up. what is wrong with our one-and-done picks, or at least me and Colby's one-and-done picks? I Last week I go – you need to fade Berger and fade Lowry, and they're <laughs> battling it out down the stretch. And, and I picked uh, old Sung J.M. for a missed cut. Uh, by the way, we're burying the lead. Ricky Fowler made the cut. Congrats to Ricky Fowler. He did. We didn't think there was any chance, especially when you picked him, Sam, in your DraftKings. <laughs> I did. Uh, and he came through. Did anybody have Sepp Straka in our one and done? One person did. Are you kidding me? One person has Sepp Straka. What are the odds it? of that? Uh, one in about 130. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, you're, you're exactly Probably right. higher than that, actually, because, I mean, the odds of picking someone who is how many ever, 100 to 1 or whatever it is to start the week, truly unbelievable. So, That's I mean, it's – hell of a pick. I wish I could have prognosticated like that. I'll take a solo – What? how about that, Sam? You with Zalatoris at um, at Tory. Colby had Spieth at Pebble, and I had Lauer here. We've all each had a solo second. Yeah, but so the far. last two weeks I've picked DJ and M and gone MC, MC. Yeah, that's it's not good when when you make and more money in Colby two weeks picked, than you're one of them. Uh, old Fleetwood this week and Fleetwood had MC. looked good, and then he then he shot four over whatever it was on Friday, <laughs> missed cut by one. So too bad, so sad for our man Colby. Uh, yeah, we had. Did we have any other Oklahoma guys up there? Not. Alex Noren. Alex Noren. Oh, it's, that's exactly right. Alex Noren, top five. Uh, he's finished, I think, sixth and fifth in the last few weeks. What did you say? Four straight yeah, made yeah, cuts. Yeah, four straight made cuts. Finished sixth at um, at waste management. Finished fifth here. Um, Want to give some shout out to myself? I thought I was going to make some ground up with my Adam Svensson DraftKings pick. It took me forever to pick. get it figured out, and then I had three other of my guys miss the cut anyway. Yeah. So my pick didn't didn't matter. Didn't, make, didn't matter for shit. So, and, <laughs> and you know, here's another point. I, I want to make this up real quick while we're just on the tournament. Billy Horschel made the cut on the number and finished uh, T16 for the tournament. He finished, uh, he shot two under for the weekend. So it's any time that you can make the cut and keep on rolling. Especially you, at a tournament like this, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you can, like, oh, uh, where's it out here? Oh, Cameron Young, he shot five under on, on Sunday, pushed him up to, uh, to uh, T16. That was the guy who finished second at. Um, Do you think they everywhere. should still have the 10 shot rule? 
I do. Yes, the, the, I, the, I agree. The problem is, is that it wouldn't have mattered for because it Berger had yeah. such a big right. lead. But yes, I right. I firmly believe that any tournament you play in, you can make up five shots a day easily. Uh, not easily, but it could happen, right? Right. Especially if there's if there's just like like Berger, right? When he has a three or four shot lead, and then you're only like six shots out of second or whatever. I mean, you should definitely get to play if that's the case. Right. So, T-Dub, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about OU and OSU. We're also going to talk about Zach Johnson's – it's become official that he's the Ryder Cup captain. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We have uh, some tweets coming in about that that I want to get to. Um, and then let's do the dad bod draft in, let's do in the day. Uh, stay with us here on the 73rd hole, the award-winning official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back on the other side of the break on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. And go to golfoklahoma.org and catch all of the stories going on in the state of Oklahoma. Obviously, the OSU girls shoot 19 under over the past week. We have uh, Cowan. He's going to play in the Dustin Johnson World Junior Golf Championship. Uh, big, big good luck to him. And then OU and OSU, obviously, in the lead. And we're going to get to that here in a second. It's all smiles for them. But I do want to tell you that I hit some balls at Top Golf. Brennan Ring was there. Dennis Ring, Dr. Brennan Ring was there, and it was great to see him. Go visit Doctors Phil and Brennan Ring at Ring Family Dentistry. They will do same-day crowns. They will do anything that you guys need. They are the best in Oklahoma City. Okay, T-Dub, we have a message here from Ryan Munson, and if you're in the golf community in Oklahoma, you probably know Ryan Munson. He plays out at Oak Tree, and he texted me. He said, hey, Sam, here's a hot take for your podcast. He goes, I get it. Naming Zach Johnson as the Ryder Cup captain is a head-scratchingly boring pick, but it is another testament to Tiger's dominance over the last 25 years that there isn't another American player outside of Phil who blew himself up, in parentheses, that that should have been selected. He's a lame choice, but Tiger left us with very few options. What do you think? I think that it's he's on to something. I think he is on to something. I, we were talking about it, and we never mentioned the Tiger effect with it last week, but it kind of makes sense. It really does. And, you know, a lot of times we look at, 
you know, kind of, you're right because it kind of, there's that generational gap there of like, what, about 10 years where it's like, okay, so there was Furyk, right? Let's just think of some really good Americans during that stretch. There was Furyk. He's already been one, though. He's already been a captain. So, so, I mean, we're winding off the list here. And, you know, the biggest names who played when Tiger was around, obviously Phil, but we can't name him captain because of reasons. (laughs) Then you're you're looking at Ernie. We can't have Ernie. He's from South Africa. (laughs) Uh, You know, VJ, we can't have him. He's from Fiji. Yeah. Uh, Goosen was probably the next best player of that generation. He's from South Africa. So, okay, so we're running out of names here. And then you look at, I mean, what are you going to name Chris DeMarco? He was the next guy that was around there when Tiger was playing a lot. Um, I'm, I can't think of anyone else who would have been deserving or someone who I'm going to look at and say, oh, my God, that was such a great pick. Or, and like you said, there's no one that we're sitting here with uh, with Zach Johnson on the television right now. We're saying – Man, that was such a that's such a terrible pick because we should have got this or should have got this. I don't Let's, think anybody's saying that Zach Johnson is a terrible pick. It's just kind of like Zach Johnson, really. But when you look at it, I, he won two majors. I mean, he and he won at St Andrews and Augusta. How many people have been able to do that? And you know, just looking at it, and so like for example, we had Tom Watson a few years ago. That didn't go over so well. I mean, that's your boy. I love Sam. Tom Watson, but man, the, the players did not do well. Who didn't that. like him, Phil? Phil. He's canceled now. <laughs> <laughs> Phil is Phil is no. Tom more. Watson's my guy. You know, who, shout out to Kansas City. I mean, I, you know, I'm looking through here some names. I mean, who? Matt Kuchar. Are we going to pick him to be the captain? Could could have. I, I that wouldn't have been but, too bad. But he doesn't have the two majors. He doesn't even have the one. No, he doesn't have the one. Who, we're going to pick Anthony Kim. Could he be captain? That'd be a hell I'm, of a I'm team. Just, I'm just going through. Talk a, about a player's coach. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> I, we're going to pick David Duvall. I mean, I'm just going through that here. That wouldn't look, be terrible. Looking at the names of guys. These are guys who. But I think that Zach Johnson has been more connected than David Duvall over the past, you know, I mean, 10 years or I so. I mean, I, I just think that I think their boy Munson's on to something because. He is. You look at it and it's like, okay, who are the players who. Because the, the Ryder Cup captain is a fine line, right? It's guys who are either not playing anymore or right at the end of their playing careers. While at the same time not being like Jack Nicholas, right? Not being an ambassador for everywhere and being what is Jack eighty years old right. now or whatever. And most so. most of the time they pick guys that are still playing out on tour that can go watch these guys and play with these guys and kind of get a grasp for these guys' games. You know, because you still want to have you know that connection. I mean, some other guys here. I mean, like Stuart Sink. I mean, he's got a major, but I mean, we're not going to pick him, are we? I mean, he. Possibly. I mean, who's uh, after Zach Johnson? That's what I'm if saying. If you don't pick Phil, who's after Zach Johnson? I, I think we're on to something here, Sam. I truly do. Because it's like, there's no Tiger. One. Tiger. It's Tiger. And we, because and we, he just doesn't have the time right now. And we don't want Tiger to just be captain. We want him to be a player captain. That would be electric. I mean, like he I mean it already Pres- worked out. It did. President's Cup's a different animal than Ryder Cup. Yeah. It, to me, I, I totally agree with Munson. I think he hit the nail right on the head. There's no one that comes to mind. What, what would your take be on... Because the captain has so many responsibilities. What if, what if it was just like backyard ball, right? Where it's like you have a guy and they pick the captains, you know. Off. What if like Spieth was the captain one year, like next year? No, like, like, I don't like that. You don't like playing no, captains. No, I, I don't. I, and I think that team chemistry is our biggest problem, and that just creates drama where there doesn't need to be drama, right? Because you would think that the captain would choose. Yeah, they're not, to me, unless next Ryder Cup, I mean, unless you're going to pick Phil or Tiger, if you're not going to pick either of those guys, why not just do it by committee? Pick a board. That's kind of what I thought would be the best. Like, where it's like... Why do you we need kinda, a captain? And we, I mean, I guess they... Because the captain has a lot of power, right? Because you would think that you could do it kind of like a... Um, 
almost like an exaggerated version of like a football staff, right? Where you have like a quarterback coach and whatever and all that. Yeah. So I mean, you could do something like that. We kind of have that now. We have a lot of assistants. They do their captains. little pods. Just do get a you know offensive defensive coordinator for lack of better terms, right? And do a, a coach for each pod. And you know, here I'm just going to list through here. Here's just some of the major champions from the U.S. who we could go off of. Marco Mira, you going to pick him? I don't. I mean. I don't see that working out too well. Where I mentioned Duvall. You know who'd be a hell of a Ryder Cup captain is our guy, Scott Verplank. I think he would, too. He yep. played in two Ryder Cups, and, you know, he knows that he's, he says that it's the biggest sporting event on the planet, and even he, above the Super Bowl. And he has experience with being assistant captain, too, which is he something does. that you have to have uh, to be able to do it. David Tom's a list, another guy on here. That wouldn't be bad. But look at these Americans that we're about to list off here. You got Ben Curtis, Sean McKeel, Todd Hamilton. Nope, I mean, nope, n- nope. none of them are going to do it. Zach Shout out John- to OU, though. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Lucas Glover, I don't think we're going to pick him. I mean, just look at it. Uh, Ke- <laughs> Keegan Bradley, we're not going to pick Keegan Bradley. Webb Simpson, he's already a player. Bubba's a player. So, I mean, Jason Duffner, Spieth, these are these are a list of major champions. There hadn't been Bubba's going to be many. a Ryder Cup captain one day. I agree. And you could tell he, he loves it because, what was it, 2016 when it was at Hazeltine when he was kind of – he wasn't really – like slammed away from not being picked, but he was like the first one out, right, from all the players. And he still went up there was a was an assistant captain. Is it just me or is Bubba kind of well? <laughs> it's a funny statement to make right now with all, everything going on. But we on uh, the sports animal, we were talking about guys that you didn't used to like that you kind of grew on you. Bubba's kind of one of those guys to me that he's kind of grown on me a little bit. I was gonna say that he kind of reminds me of Phil in that aspect that I didn't used to like Phil because I was a Tiger fan, but now I really like Phil. At least on the course. Yeah. <laughs> so, and <laughs> we, off the course. We might but, disagree with a few things he says. But but Bubba, I, I think he would be a good Ryder Cup captain. And well, I think that Zach Johnson, though, like, guys like him, I guess. But, like, it's it's just Zach Johnson. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, we're looking through here, and it's like, who else, who else are you going to pick? And, you know, just looking at the element of, you know, kind of like you were talking about of, I, I just – I don't know who else would be an American to pick. I truly don't, Sam. I don't. I think once Tiger – I think you give it to Tiger for as long as he wants it. Because you have to think that, like – If Tiger wins, he should be the Ryder Cup captain two years after that. Because you got to think that – Let him this do younger, one in Europe, too. you got to think this younger generation is just going to soak that up, right? Oh, yeah. Like, but would it make you nervous? Uh, of course it would. You're already going to be nervous, right? Being in the Ryder Cup? The thing about it is, the team that they have right now, anyone could captain that team to a win, to me. They're too talented. It's, it's really hard to mess it up from that point. And, you know, one thing that we were talking about, Sam, and, you know, I was going to highlight on this a little bit, but kind of going under the radar, our boy T. Gooch has a legit chance to make the President's Cup team this year. I know it's a little bit off topic, but it's a team yep. concept, and we talk about how, you know, it, the team's almost set because you got your guys like Cantlay, DJ Morikawa, JT, Spieth, all these guys are going to be there for years. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you look at guys like who were on the bottom of it last, like Harry English, uh, now who's not playing very well. You know, it's like, are those guys going to make the team again this year? Yeah, he needs yeah. he needs another win or maybe two. I would, I would say so. I just, you know, just looking at it, and it's like, you know, there's so much talent there that, you know, a few more guys could come up. I mean, look at Billy Horschel. He's playing good golf too. So, I think that what's kind of funny is that if the U.S., if we had to take 24 players instead of 12, we'd be so much better because the, the 13 through 24 guys would just dominate right. all over the place, you know. Right. I, I agree. I totally agree with that. But it's an interesting thing, and I totally agree with Munson on that, that it's the total Tiger effect in this situation. So, T-Dub, speaking of team golf, Oklahoma 
is in the lead at Southern Highlands. They are at 20 under par, five shots ahead of their nemesis, those damn Pepperdine waves lurking five shots back. Uh, Florida is in third. Georgia Tech is in fourth. Uh, TCU, Georgia, and New Mexico are tied for fifth. The other Big 12 team in this tournament is Texas, and they are in eighth. OU, just on the biggest heater of all time right now. Man, I keep talking about it, Sam. You just you just want to hope that they're not getting all the good golf out of the way, right? But I mean, when you're when you're this stacked of a team, I don't I don't see how you just don't keep it rolling and keep it rolling forever. I mean, like I said, twenty under, winning by five shots. I I think they got what one more round going, or they got two more rounds. One more round. They have one more round, and it's under frost delay right now, so it hasn't started yet. Uh, big big news for OU is that Patrick Welch is playing some golf again. The cross-handed bandit is six under, tied for second right now. Uh, Oklahoma's own Drew Goodman is tied for fourth with his teammate Ben Lorenz, and they are both at five under, one shot back of Patrick Welch. And then Chris Goddard up, tied for 11th. You know, it's tough when you're tied for 11th and you're in uh, fourth place on your own team, isn't it, T-Dub? I mean, he's four under par, and he's fourth place on his team. Well, you look at it right here, Sam, and, you know, I, I have to go through. I don't know. I'd see which ones. I think Stephen Campbell's one's playing an individual, but OU's got four guys at five under or better. I mean, Welch, six under. You got uh, Drew Goodman, Ben Lorenz, and Stephen Campbell, five under. You got Goddard up down there at four under. And our man Logan McAllister lo- bringing up the rear at three under, man. <laughs> the lowly Logan McAllister down there at three under par. I mean, gosh dang it, Logan. Got to step it up, man. Gosh dang uh, and then we have uh, William Mao is a little bit of, of surprise in this tournament for Pepperdine. They're still in second place in this tournament at 15 under, but William Mao is tied for 70th at three over par. That's kind of interesting that they're still playing well without him. Boy, I mean, it just goes to show the depth that they have, right? I mean, they went from – they lost uh, T. Gala, who was the, the Ben Hogan Award winner. Then they win the national championship well, the next year. Well, and they have the so. same exact five as they had in the national championship last year. I mean, they have Hitchner, who is five under par, and then Versich, Highsmith, Menante, anyone who watched the national championship uh, will remember those names. And obviously the headline of that group is William Mao, who's not having his best tournament this week, but we saw him not only in the national championship, but in the uh, in the Walker Cup as well. So, I mean, OU just continues to roll. Are they still your favorite right now? Or are we about to get to the uh, Oklahoma State uh, Cow- Cowboys and uh, maybe they're the favorite still? I, I Man, it's, God, it's hard. It's hard to say no to OU. It really is with how I well agree. they're played. I will say this, Sam. This is kind of interesting here. Texas is eighth in this tournament right now. They shot 281 yesterday. I mean, they got uh, Parker Cootie shot one over. Uh, Cole Hammer only shot one under. So, I mean, looks like Pearson Cootie's not in the field for some reason. I wonder where he's playing at. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Sam? Seems like Texas is kind of one of those Big 12 powers that can kind of test the state schools, but it doesn't seem like they've had their best stuff lately. Kind of seemed like that last year, didn't it? Yes. Just a little bit. Like, it, last year it seemed the same type of deal where you had OU and OSU and then Texas, right? It wasn't OU, OSU, and Texas. I mean, it was in the Big 12 tournament, but all year it was OU, OSU, or OSU, OU, and then Texas. And I think it's kind of the same thing this year. Yes, I agree. And like I said, I don't know where Pearson Cootie is. Cole Hammer, he's always kind of experimenting with that putter. We don't know what we're going to get for him. But, Sam, going over to OSU, mm-hmm. I think one of the things I want to note from here is we got a Bo Jin sighting. We do have a Bo Jin sighting. Three under yesterday, 68, one under through seven rounds today. If Bo Jin could get his game back to where he was last year, finishing runner-up at the national tournament, watch out for them, boys. Yeah, and he it, 
as well as he's played to start the spring, uh, to start the spring, I think that you have to be looking at Bo Jim being in that national championship or at least regionals lineup. And Brian Stark, another guy that hasn't, he's played well, but hasn't been playing as well as his teammate Eugenio Lopez Chikara. He's seven under in this tournament right now in solo second place, and he's one under through nine today. Brian Stark uh, could be kind of the key, but to me, Bo Jen is the real key about the uh, Oklahoma State Cowboys. Now, you know, Sam, I want to ask you about this. I'm, I'm trying to go back and do a little bit of research, trying to figure it out. How has it ever happened where they've had nationals at the, at the same course the next year? I'm scrolling through here, and I don't see I'm it. I'm not sure. So, you know, the point I'm going to make there is that and they like, still get it another year after this because of COVID in 2020. Yes, yeah, so I think this is adding an element to this, and I want your opinion on this take, Sam. It's like when you, whenever you're – if you're playing the Nationals the same course you did last year, you can't just look at your top five players if you're OSU, right, and say, oh, well, this guy's playing the best by .2 shots over so-and-so. Because the reason I say that, Bo Jen finished runner-up there last year. He's got to have some bit of – of good chemistry on that course, right? Right. So it's like someone on that top five is going to have to just be head and heels above Bo Jim for him not to make it. Well, right? and a, a few guys were head and heels above him in the fall. <laughs> by by a lot. Yeah, too. by a lot. Not not only in tournaments, but in their qualifiers as well because he didn't even go to some tournaments because I heard through the grapevine that he's kind of struggling off the tee, and Greyhawk's not a place you want to struggle off the tee because that's where you gain all your shots. No, and if you're struggling off the tee, you ain't going to qualify Karsten. <laughs> that's <laughs> gonna, I'm surprised he's not – if he's having trouble on the tee box, I'm surprised he's not still out there playing. It's, you know? the, it's the running joke about all the guys that formerly played at Oklahoma State. It's like – if they didn't have Karsten Creek, then a lot of guys would be a lot more guys would be playing on the PGA Tour because Karsten Creek ruined their confidence. It literally dwindles it dwindles it out so fast; it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's the truth. And uh, in this Cabo Collegiate, you know, we also have Florida State, who you know lost Pack last year, but they're still really good. Can you say Frederick's name right there? Tied for eleventh. Frederick, let's see. <laughs> Frederick, Frederick. Ketrup? Ketchup? It looks like ketchup. <laughs> it, it does look like ketchup. That's what I was trying to get to. It, it, there's no ketchup or or burger. Uh, but then and tied for second with Florida State, you have Arkansas. And Arkansas, you know, we talked to Daly a little bit about this, even off the air. And they have a squad this year. I mean, Little John, he's not playing on the top five right now, but it just proves how deep they are that they have that kind of talent on their squad at Arkansas. I think here – after these guys from OU and OSU kind of dwindled down a little bit, they might get some great new recruits, probably will. But Arkansas is going to be lurking there as one of the best teams in the country for the next four or five years. And, you know, I really want to see because, you know, this was kind of the first year for, like, uh, college football where we saw the impact that the portal has with NIL. Right. I think it could have a big impact in golf after this season. I truly do. I think I I don't have any names off the top of my head. but Not just with NIL, just for – playing sake oh absolutely yeah so I mean it's just the reason I say that is it seemed like NIL propelled a lot of players to leave places that they were at already for football and so I was just thinking well that might might do the same for golf want to want to say this too Sam um Brian Stark is currently second place minus seven he's one under through nine and uh, Lopez Shakara is uh six under t3 for the tournament he's two under on the day through eight so be really cool if um, if somehow we could we got so many OU guys up there at the top and we got OSU players if we could get a team and individual winners a four for four if you would that'd be super cool that would be super cool and right now 
Stark and Chikara are chasing down uh, Vanderbilt's Gordon Sargent. He's three under through nine today at eight under. He's in first place, and Vanderbilt just jumped from fifth to second as I was reading that just now. Uh, so Vanderbilt is right now, they are only three shots behind Oklahoma State, and they are balling today. They have one, two guys at three under, one guy at one under, one guy at two under through nine holes right now. So Vanderbilt making a little charge at Oklahoma State right now. Florida State at 11 under, tied for third. Arkansas tied for third now. Tennessee tied for third now. Uh, so we're going to have a little battle here on the back nine here at the Cabo Collegiate. Really wish we could watch it, Sam. I really do. It would be cool, wouldn't it? It'd be really cool. I Too mean, bad, so sad for us. It's one of those tournaments that we hear about every year and never get to see. Oklahoma State consistently wins it as a team and has individual winners in Cabo every single year, it seems like. Oh, we do got we do got an update. Round two is underway after 30-minute frost delay. So we are okay. good at, uh, at Southern Highlands. So we should hopefully have an OU update by – I th- it says it goes through the first, so I think they'll be done tomorrow, if my math's correct. So, good, nice little three-round tournament, and it would be – I think I would honestly probably – I'd love to watch both of them, but I would love to see a Pepperdine OU match coming down the stretch to watch that. That would be some damn good I television. Know. I know. It seems like these two tournaments have the a lot of teams that will be in match play this year. I think that Oklahoma State and OU will obviously be there. Vanderbilt – will obviously be in there. Florida State seems like they will be. I think Arkansas will obviously be in there. Then if you're looking at uh, the Southern Highlands Collegiate, Pepperdine's going to be in there. Florida will probably be, probably be in there. I think Texas will probably be in there. And so there's a bunch of good teams, bunch of good teams in these two tournaments. And uh, if you're interested in it, go to golfstat, golfoklahoma.org. We'll have everything covered once both these tournaments end up Ending. What you said? Oh, you still plays tomorrow, correct? Yeah, it says the tournament ends on the first. Okay. So I would assume, and same for the uh, Cabo Intercollegiate as well. So both yeah, they've only played. Be, they've only played one. No, one round. Yeah, played one round. They played yesterday. Today's yeah. yeah. So they'll do Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Correct. So T Dub, it's time to get to our dad bod draft, and so, I'm so ready. I'm ready to. All right, T Dub, lead us off. I'll let you pick. Have the first ever pick in the dad bod draft. We'll pick five players each. Here we go. I mean, Sam, I don't know how I just don't go with the man, the myth, the legend himself. Kierdet Apper Barnrat. Wow. That's first your pick. first pick? First pick. He's my hero. Give me John Daly. I can't believe you whiffed on that. No, no. I mean, okay, we're talking actual body. We're not talking the person. We are talking bodies. Body type. Okay, here we go. Look. Is there a more glorious body ever on the PGA Tour than John Daly? I, I gotta thank my my hero. I'm, there, there's no shame to John Daly here either. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> uh, I am not shaming John Daly or his body. It's a gor- he's a gorgeous man. I sat two feet away from. He's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> but look at Afro Barn right here. I mean, just look at him go. Look at him here with his car. Look at that gut just hanging out. The man titties. Beautiful, dude. It, I don't. I mean, I'm just. I'm trying to be opinionated. Get it okay. out of here. So, so I'm going John Daly. We'll go snake draft. Snake draft. Okay. That means that I have to go with Andrew Beef Johnston for my second pick. You let me have Daly and Beef as my first two picks. Give me the dub on Twitter right now. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're just shooting after that, I mean, if you get John Daly on your list, you're going to be golden anyway. So I had to go a little bit of – the thing is is that I probably could have got after Barnrat after a round because you probably wouldn't have taken him. But I don't care. I, I have to stick with the legend himself. So I'm going to go with a couple of other guys who we might not be thinking about so much, but I'm going to stick to it. 
Got to thank our man Craig Stadler. Yeah, the gotta, walrus. Gotta that go, was going to be my next one. Go, I was debating between Beef and the walrus. Got to go walrus, and then... Every fat guy has a great nickname, or at least most of them. Yes, and it's a, it's a name, as a fat person myself, it's rightfully earned. So, <laughs> you, you have to work hard. You have to work hard to make that happen. So, should, should I go with who I think has the better bod now, Sam, since I did so badly on the first one, or should I pick the people's person? Are you going to pander to the people, or are you going to pick who you want to pick? I got to pick who I'm going to pick, right? Yeah. Shane Lowry. Yeah. I like it. I mean, he's a hefty boy. I love it. I got I got Craig Stadler, um, Shane Lowry, and my boy Alfred Barnett. Man, I got some damn good dad bods. Those are some good dad bods. Uh, I'm going to go Lumpy Heron. Tim Heron. Oh, Tim Heron's a good one. That's a good one. Look at this Haas, bro. I mean, he is... Uh, just physical specimen. Dude, that is, it's almost past dad bod at that point because he is, I mean, that <laughs> is. That's bod. Yes. And a lot of it. All right, you got one more, Sam. Oh, I, sorry, I forgot we're doing snake draft. You took Lowry. See, I mean, here you, you tried to pander to the people. Maybe I shouldn't pick this guy. Because it, it's kind of pandering against the people picking on El Cabrera, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> uh, man, I don't know. Who should I go with here? Should I go young or old? Tell me young or old, and I'll go who who I'll go with. Gotta go, gotta go old, don't you think? Legend? Then give me Jack Nicholas. Jack, Jack Nicholas had a beautiful dad bod. With the dad bod, wow. The okay. greatest player of all time. I don't think he ever lifted a weight, did he? I, besides maybe a cold beer every once in a while. But <laughs> other than that, I, so my, I got a question, Sam. We're doing dad bods, so I can't pick a female golfer, right? No. No, we got to stay away from that. Damn it. I had a really good one. Really good <laughs> I one. I know exactly who it is, too. <laughs> oh, damn it. All right, well, then you didn't take my pick. I'm going to take it. Harry Higgs. Harry Higgs. That's it. I, I said young or old. I was debating between Jack Nicholas so and I, Harry I, Higgs. I got my pick. So now I feel even... Worse because I feel like I could have got Alfred Barnrat with with my second round pick. So I'm a little upset at myself now, <laughs> but it's all right. So I got one more, Sam. I, I think bl- so. All righty. So I just went. I got Harry Higgs, Lowry. Wait, Cra- no. uh, did you go five already? No, I got four. Okay, because I've got um, Alfred Barnrat, um, Shane Lowry, um, Craig Stadler, and math <laughs> <and>, is hard. <laughs> yes, it is hard. And then Harry Higgs. So okay. All right. You so got, I got one more. One more. Gosh, dang it. I, was, I got all my good picks out, and then you took some of them that I wanted to. So I could go mini Walrus with Kevin Stadler. That's I'm, not bad. I might have to go down. I might have to go down that route. Um, you know what? Just to solidify my t- nope. You know what? Change it. Colin Montgomery. Oh, Colin Montgomery. That's a good dad bod. Oh God, no! I have to. I, <laughs> can, can I change my pick? I, I didn't. I don't know how to. You can say. change it. Darren Clark. Darren Clark. Oh my miss, gosh! I miss what it? a pick! That's oh a great god. pick. Oh, I had I had the sheet in, but I took it away. I took it away just <laughs> That's in time. Okay. Oh god! That's okay. Oh, he my need, team's so good he, now. He had to be on here. Neither of these lists would be official without our man Darren Clark. And not only is he the greatest, one of the greatest dad bods ever, but he's one of the coolest dads ever. Oh, too. dude, he's. I mean, a straight legend. I don't know how. I think it's one of those things where it's like. Like you wake up in the morning and ask yourself what do you, what should you do today? You don't say breathe or drink water on there. You just do it. And so I just assumed that Darren Clark would be there because it's so obvious. I don't know how I, did. I thought I, you were going to say he rips heaters like instead of breathing. 
Yes, he, he does. He has do to yeah. breathe through a heater. I'll, I'll never forget it, Southern. He was just sitting over there on that little bench for about 15 <laughs> By minutes. putting green. Just ripping like three cigs back to back to back. I just, I, the, I had the, this the best there. quote of the week came from Darren Clark. That, uh, that and we couldn't, hill. We couldn't play it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that fucking hill. <laughs> All right, Sam, I think you got one more pick left. I have one more left. Man. So I, I have JD. I have Beef. I have Jack Nicholas. Who is my other one? I was just writing down mine. <laughs> <laughs> Math is so hard. I got I got Afro Barnrat, Lowry, Stadler, Harry Higgs, and Darren Clark. Oh, and I have Lumpy Heron. Lumpy Lumpy Heron's a good pick. I don't know how I forgot about old Lumpy. I'm gonna go a little bit older here. Okay. Give me Russell Clayton. Whoa! Talk about off the radar pick here. Let me see. How do you spell that? C Clayton or Clay Dunn? Dunn. Russell Clayton. Oh, here we go. English pressure, boy. This is boy. You got you get a pretty good choice here. Look at this. Look at this follow through right here, Sam. This what? That is, that <laughs> is a beautiful beautiful golf Look swing at this right guy. there. Look at this guy right here. Oh, if you want to Google him, it's Russell C L A Y D O N. And man, you will not be disappointed. I totally forgot about this guy, man. And I don't he know how he went on tour. I mean, this is a gosh dang. I've seen some. No offense, my man Russell, man, but he is not the most attractive individual I've ever met in my life. <laughs> I think he's beautiful. <laughs> Give me Russell Clayton for my last pick. That was the dad bod draft for everybody who was wanting it. And Jack, Nick, what are you what are you looking up over there? I'm looking up Jack Nick because I'm trying to figure out how much of a dad bod this really was. Let's look it up. I mean, he's got some man titties there. I mean, he's I mean, he was, but that's a dad bod. He's not ripped, but he's not. Fat. I mean, he's. I think that's, we it, our dad bod draft turned into just the biggest golfer draft. Who's <laughs> <laughs> the biggest fat ass? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, the thing is, you got eighty six here. You know when when uh, Jack's raising up the putter. You know, yes sir. In the hole, you just see the gut hanging <laughs> yep, over the belt yep. right there. So I mean, that's good. But, you know, I just got to ask, Sam, were you, were you trying to piece the people with your Jack Nicholas pick? Because you got Naley, or Daly and Nicholas in your draft I here. feel like Seems we're like missing some guys. Dude, I punched in fat golfers, dude, and I had to scroll forever to find Darren Clark. So, I mean, I don't think Google's, <laughs> Google's not our best uh, asset here, Sam. I agree. I agree. Man, the Walrus and Kevin Stadler together is just beautiful. <laughs> it's just beautiful. Dude, they look way too similar. It's like you don't have to worry about worrying if uh, if Kevin's mom did any fooling around or anything because we know who the dad is. <laughs> exactly. There's no denying that. Exactly there. right. That is exactly right. Okay, that was the dad bod draft for everybody that was wanting it. Dude, Tito. just look at these guys at Augusta. Dude. <laughs> Kevin and there they are. My God, we're gonna have to tweet that out or something. Put that out there. That is. Look at. Did you see the picture of beef that they have for this article right here? Let me see it. He ha- he's laying down after after winning, and you see the golf hole. You see him laying down in his little Baywatch pose, and there's just a fat, juicy burger laying oh, on the green. Oh god, that's we're so- tweeting that picture out for sure, dude. I would. There's no shame in eating the burger off the green, is there? 
I don't think so. Because you know it had it just been placed there, right? I mean, I, I, if you just walk around to like just playing a random course <laughs> yeah, and you I mean, see a that, burger on the green, it's a massive burger, and it it looks so tiny next to beef. The thing I will say about the burger is, it looks like there's more um, lettuce on there than there is beef. I mean, for beef Johnson, you gotta get double or triple meat, even maybe quadruple meat. Yeah. What's the most What's the most patties you ever had on a burger, Sam? Oh, I mean, I I think I've gone triple before. I don't think I've ever gone quadruple. Quad a quad's where it, where it's fine line, right? Because quad quad is like you start feeling fat at, at a quad. A triple is like I'm still I'm just really hungry. A quad is like I I need to watch it a little bit. Well, then then the thing is is like when you do a really good burger, you got the triple. You want to put bacon on it. You want jalapenos, right. cheese. You want the whole nine yards. There's not well, room for it on a quad. No, because because. You got the two patties at top, then you got the two patties in the middle, and those two patties just like slip whenever you try to get your hands on it. It's like, it's like when you go to places and you see the the double decker, the triple decker, you don't ever see the quadruple decker. And I think it's just a mathematical problem at this point. See, I, I'm kind of of the unpopular opinion, but I go single, and then I go way more fries. Oh, I like the fries too. My fries are my favorite. I do. I do usually double in extra fries. Well, okay. What's What's best is. But that see that's still respectable. That yeah. just means you're hungry. Yeah. That just that doesn't make you fat. No, no. I mean, unless but you do it you every get, day. <laughs> Even then, I mean, you're just hungry. Yeah. But once you get into the quadruple range, you're kind of fat. So you got you got me off on there on the fries, sir, Sam. Who Who has the best fries? The best fries. Burger, I guess burger man. place. I mean, it like has Chick- to be has to be Johnny's. Johnny's got some good fries. Johnny's is my favorite fries. Well, what's really good is when you go to like the Red Robin or there's a place called Hopscotch over there on the north side of Oklahoma City. It's really uh-huh. good where they have bottomless fries. Okay. So that's really right up the alley. That's right up our alley. Where it's you get the burger, then you just say more fries, more fries, and you get like five <laughs> orders. Oh, it's good. That's perfect. That is perfect. More fries. It's the way the, to end the show. More the merrier. No burger. No, 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 bur- no, bur- Daniel Berger. Also, what is up with with Florida State's names? They had Daniel Berger. Now they got the guy who's named Ketchup. I yep. mean, is the coach just like super hungry all the time, or what? I guess so. I guess so. Uh, did one last thing before we get out of here? Did did either one of your college coaches have like a place that they had to eat when you guys went to tournaments? Uh, well, if we played bad, we didn't get to eat as good of food. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like me growing up. Yeah. The the worst thing about college golf was after the 36-hole day, you go from the course to the restaurant or sometimes at the nicer tournaments, they had the buffet there for you, right? And But even even if they had the buffet, sometimes we went out to eat if we played good. Yeah, right? yeah, you had But to. the worst part about it was you get off the 36-hole day, you go eat, you come back and do team meeting for another hour, and oh. then you shower, and then – that your professor's emailing you like, why? Oh, why didn't you get in your assignment? Well, when did I have time, <laughs> professor? <laughs> you got it in between your 18s when you went from shotgun start, you st- finished on seven, you went to all eight, and you literally started playing the next round in five minutes. But yeah, I'm gonna do it then. You know, like college co- college professors don't understand. I'll that. tell you a secret. There was a there was a tournament I played in in Valentine, Nebraska, at the Prairie Club, and I think it was South Dakota State's tournament. And it's right on the border of, like, South Dakota and Nebraska. Yeah, it's exactly what you imagine. <laughs> and there's there's one restaurant. Our hotel didn't even have Wi-Fi. There's one restaurant there, and it's a diner. And I ate meatloaf for all three days I was there. Oh, God. Drove the ball sweet. Did you? I haven't had meatloaf since, and I haven't driven it that well ever since. I think you found the secret to the formula there. Yeah, meatloaf. 
We almost had to eat if we were in Texas. We had to go in and out like that was just right. like a custom. And right. then like they're, I don't think they're around anymore. Coach always like Smash Burger. Whatever. Smash Did burger. You like Smash yeah. burger? Yeah, I've had it before. We always said uh, Outback too. Outback was always a, a good Outback's one. one of those nice. That's like <laughs> if you play good. Yeah, type. yeah, I play pretty good. Yeah. That's our thing. If we played good, we got to have like. Uh, I just put it this way: we we got to have essentially whatever we wanted when we played good. You know, we played yeah. bad or whatever. It's like you know, hey, let's let's make sure we stick to a budget this time, guys. You know, it's like <laughs> get get off the kids' meal or whatever. Yeah, and it's like I'm I'm too fat for this. I gotta I gotta eat a lot. So I'll I, tell I, you, I gotta who, get like five sides. There was this place in Iowa City when we played an Iowa Iowa's tournament, and. They had the best fried pickles. It was like this bar slash, you know, restaurant, and they had the best fried pickles I've ever had. Were they uh, were they cut up or were they like the whole pickles? They were cut up and they were fried. I I can't remember where it was. You know, a few months ago, I ate a place where they had the fried pickles, but they were the whole pickles. I've never oh, seen really? that before. Yeah, it was like a whole. I mean, kind of like the you know, cut in a force or whatever. But yeah, yeah, it was just a long pickle that was fried. Usually, all the ones I've seen were slices. So. All right. Crazy well, world we live in. You're Sam. lucky Colby's not here to clip that one. All right, everybody have a great day. On we can always clip, man. We always go back later. It's in the archives. So it is in the good. archives. All right, everyone have a great day. I'll give you guys one more update on OU and OSU here with my computer can refresh. Uh, OSU now has still has a three shot lead over Arkansas, and then OU has a five-shot lead over Pepperdine still, and they haven't finished one hole yet. So they are playing, playing, but they haven't finished number one yet. So we'll see if OU and OSU win. We'll be back on Wednesday. It'll still be me and T-Dub. Colby will still be – where'd he go? Where'd he go skiing? Oh, God. I, I have no idea. I don't know. I just know he went skiing. I'm he's, just he's I'm, skiing somewhere. I'm just waiting to hear the the stories about how he injured something. Oh, he's, and, and what's he, the over under on him? How many injuries he comes back with? One and a half over under. I think that he'll have multiple, but I I think only one will be like new. physical therapy esque. Yeah, but what about the new injury? Like he's obviously going to come back. He's going to fall on the hurt wrist. The hurt wrist. He's got the because the thing is, what what can be considered new anymore? Yeah, he, he's his just back like, is going to be tired. Back, back's going to be tight and tired. He might yeah. have – he didn't. I don't think he's had many hamstring issues. I think a hammy's coming. A hamstring? A hamstring could be coming. That's interesting. Because he's had, he's had Achilles he had problems. Yeah, the Achilles. Yeah, he's, had, he's, he's always had knee problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you would think that at some point the doctor would say, hey, you know, be a little less easy on – or be a little easier on your body. But Kobe just says, hey, F you. You know, I'm going to do my own thing. <laughs> I think he is easy on it. He's just made of glass. <laughs> I can vouch for that. That is definitely true. I've known the man too long to, to disagree with that. But he's damn good at radio and podcasting. We can't wait for Colby to be back. We will be back on Wednesday, like I said, with T-Dub. Thank you guys for joining us on the 73rd hole, the award-winning official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Everyone have a great day. <laughs> <laughs>